Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Staff Sergeant Retired Dave Brown. Dave, welcome. Thank you for having me, Sean. So I used to work with Sergeant Brown when I was at Fort Irwin in the Mojave Desert. After he retired, he lived and worked in Tonopah, Nevada. for some period of time. And today we're going to talk about an odd incident. I wouldn't say high strangeness, but it is related to potential high strangeness. He had an odd event that happened on or about February or March, 2017. Dave, you want to start with what, what happened that it was, and it was, was it on like a weekend or during the week? It, it's, it started on the weekend. We had got a notification that uh, MUFON, uh, Mutual UFO Network, was uh, going to be coming to uh, the community to do some research. Where did you get the notification? Well, we got the notification on the internet. We had saw a blurb in one of the local uh, web websites that <clears throat> said that they were going to be at the library, and we were going to go to the library and see see what they were what they were looking at. You know, because we had and seen they- MUFON elsewhere. In the announcement, did they say what they would be covering? Like, was it a recruiting event? Was it a general information session, or was it ambiguous? It said that there there was uh, they were investigating a potential crash in the Tonopah area in the thirties forties. I don't remember the date that they were specific about. Okay, all right, and they put this on some bulletin board on the internet, or it's an announcement in some local news site, something like that. And right. they're going to be coming to town during the week or on that weekend? They got to town on uh, Saturday. Well, I believe they got to town on Friday. but uh, uh, And that's when the internet went out was on, on Friday night. And when you say the internet went out, is that was that a common occurrence? Because, I mean, Tonopah is relatively remote. Or is that something that was different in a certain way? It, it was different in the fact that it lasted for more than a couple hours. Typically, when the internet goes out in, in a place like Tonopah, it's based upon landlines. And after that, you know, it comes back on after about an hour or two, you know, whether it's a dust storm, which takes out the lines or whatever. So, but yeah, it, it, it's just normally a couple hours. But there what was, was the we- what was the weather like during that particular visit? It was it was cold and, and a little bit blustery. It was a little, little rainy. Of course, Tonopah is up at six thousand feet elevation, so unlike the lower portions of the desert, it, it sees a little bit more precipitation. So, but it wasn't storming storming weather. But it was rainy and, and cold. Like rainy, kind of drizzling. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not really weather that would necessarily take out your. No heavens, no. Uh, no no high winds or anything like that either. So. Okay. So. They announced they're coming to town on a Friday. The internet goes out on a Saturday. And they decide to go to the library. And they're asking for anyone who has information on this alleged crash back in 
the 1930s or early 1940s. That's correct. They they had uh, said that there was a, a potential crash, and they had information that crashed in the Tonopah area, that the vehicle or whatever debris was recovered uh, by somebody in a pickup, and uh, they were looking for further information to that end. Okay. All right. So that's intriguing enough as it is. It's a very small town, relatively isolated. I've been there once. That there's there's nothing there. It's <laughs> it's also it's also where the stealth fighter was tested in like 88, 89 time frame. Right. So there's relatively there's not even a hospital there now. Back then, I'm not even sure if there was either. But the uh, the hospital leaving was uh, happened probably uh, about a year or so before I got there, and they had a small clinic, and that was in the process of shutting down as well. The town had been shrinking for for some some time. It does support the Tonopah test range. A lot of the folks who work at the test range, which is part of the Greater Nellis complex, reside there, and then they drive over to the test site from there, or they bus into the test site, and they do their classified work and and. Uh, come back home. They'll be out there for two or three, four days at a time, and then they'll come back. Oh, oh, so there's a lot of, you're saying a lot of government employees or people who are working for, like at the S4 or the area. Or contractors. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but there's, there's, there's enough, you know, there's, there's, you know, at least 30 or 40 in a a community of about uh, 2000 people. So. Okay. And how, and, and how would you, how would you know that? Is that, is that in, you know, because of your what your job was then, or just was it? A, a little bit of both, but mainly we lived in an apartment there. And, you know, unless, you, unless you're from there, you own a home there. So most of us uh, lived in apartments. And several of the gentlemen who would go out to what they call the man camp resided in those apartments with us. And they, they'd be gone for three, four days at a time, you know. And they say, you know, well, Bob's going to be back, you know, in a couple of days. He's out, you know. And they would never talk about what they were doing out there. So, you know, which was, you know, having been in the army, I understand, you know, there's classified stuff and, you know, and I wish I really had some juicy story to tell you about the test range, but I really, you know, nothing about that. So. No, it's, no, it's, it's actually, I think more credible, the less, less outlandish the story. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And I know you, like I, like you used to, used to, you know, work on my team. So, you know, I know and trust you and I've been in lots of binds where you would, you would save me. Well, uh, it, yeah. Anyway, anyway, well, that's, that's neither here nor there, but you know, I, I would tell a major, no, we're not going to have enough to to do this. And, you know, I said, the numbers say we don't, it's like, Oh no, just do it anyway. Just give them anyway. I'm like, all right. And then I would tell you in advance and I'm like, just get ready to like prepare the people who are going to be upset that they have all this extra ammunition that's coming back. And you're like, <laughs> all right, damn it, sir. Okay. And then as I would predict, they would turn in all this loose ammunition that I predicted they wouldn't need, which they didn't. And then I would just tell the major that you were who the XO was at the time, like, see, sir, I told you. He <laughs> <laughs> would just smile. It's like, I know, I know. Okay. Anyway, so they have this event. It's scheduled for a Sunday, a Saturday. It was uh, Saturday around uh, around lunchtime, I would say. Give people, okay. It's, you know, if people were going to come from without of the community, you know, the, out of the immediate confines of the town itself, it was going to be a drive for them to get there. So they, they hold events like that a little bit later in the day. So 11, 12 o'clock would probably be brought right. Okay. So you walk in and where do they hold this event? At the library in Tonopah. Okay. So you, you walk into the library. Are you with anyone or are you just by yourself? I, I'm with my wife. 
my okay. wife and I went to this. All right. So, so you walk in and about how many people are in the room with you when you arrive? Uh, upwards of 20, maybe 30 people are in there. There's, there's about seats in there for, for about 40 people, but it wasn't packed to the, to the, you know, rafters or anything, but uh, there was a good contingent of folks there. And then how many people were there who were representing MUFON? There was only one that I can remember from MUFON. I, I think we had like one or two slides they showed, you know, talking about, you know, just various information, nothing really tangible that you could really sink your teeth into and say, oh, this is where this is. This is where, where that was. So very, very simple, uh, nice lady, mid forties, brown hair, you know, just average, average looking person like the rest of us. And how did she introduce her? I know you don't remember her name, but was she, did she announce herself as like a doctor of some sort or just a miss so-and-so? No, she said, I don't, I don't believe she said she was a doctor or anything, but she said she represented, represented the mutual UFO network, which you know, was an organization I was familiar with from, from TV shows and whatnot. She's a nonprofit was, organization that tracks UFO incidents, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And tries to determine if, you know, they could be ruled out as like headlights and they're not a debunker organization, but they're actually trying to make sure that whenever there are sightings, that they try to rigorously account for them and try to explain away anything that can be naturally occurring. And then if there's not a good explanation for it, they kind of just log it as another case and, right. you know, put it in their database, et cetera. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. They 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 call this event for a for an incident that occurred eighty years in the past. So it's about seventy years in the past, yeah. It's thirties, okay. forties. Uh, they said that there had been a a crash of a uh, unidentified aircraft. Uh, they say the there air. had been, or they believe that there had been. They believe that there had been, and they had okay. information that said that uh, an individual with a pickup or a large flatbed truck had picked up this object and hauled it off. So they were looking for information as to who the person may have been, where they may have taken it to, and any information on that that they could find. And of course, you know, this is 2017 and we're already, you know, 70 years removed from this or or more. So a lot of the people in attendance wouldn't have been old enough to know anything. So, and the, the couple of folks in the community who were of, of age probably would have known anything were, uh, were not in attendance. There are several citizens there that are, as, as we talk offline about, was that are old enough to have probably been around back then. It, it would be worthy of, of interviewing as far as information like that goes. So, but uh, they were not present. Okay. So my alarm bells are already going off a little bit because they have this random meeting in the library with just people off the street where they're trying to get information from when they could have easily just discreetly gone and talked to or contacted or just looked at a phone book or you right. know the census and, and just you know, talk to a few people in the town to find out who the elders are and then just talk to them directly. Yeah. So what what do you think was the purpose that they brought these people in who would obviously very unlikely know anything about it? 
Well, I think if somebody does have, uh, you know, a UFO in their garage or shed someplace, somebody may know, well, you know, my uncle, you know, Johnny's got this thing. I don't know what it is. It's been out there and he died, you know, several years ago and potentially to get, you know, some type of information like that, you know, so that they can you know, go out there and take a look at this. Nevada is very strange in how it, it protects everything out there. So if you come across an old car sitting out in the middle of the desert, it's considered to be historical and you're really not supposed to take anything off of it. You're supposed to leave that car as it sits there. And so if there were UFO crashed out there or something, you know, that would, that's just as historical as anything else I would imagine. I, I imagine they were really trying to get that personal information that says, well, hey, you know, my uncle has this. This could potentially be what you're looking for. You know, I haven't seen okay, it. So this I feels just, like a stab in the dark. It feels like they probably tried everything else and yeah. it's like a stab in the dark. So that, that, that to me would be the, the most likely scenario. Or if you get, especially if you get somebody young and they're, they're very excited because they don't know who MUFON is and, you know, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I said, Uncle Johnny's got this thing, you know, he, he recovered. You know, from out in the desert, you know, back when when he was young and he's just been hanging on to it, you know. So I, I think a fishing expedition is is really, you know, trying to cast a wide net and, and see what they can call out of uh, the catch. But nobody was really forthcoming with anything. You said she sh- showed two slides. What were the two slides? I believe, if I remember correctly, the, the one was like a drawing of what they believe the, the truck with the little spacecraft and the tarp on the back of it. You know, there was oh, so they actually exactly. they actually had like an illustration of what they yeah. they um, they had they had a vague idea of what they were looking for. They said a pickup flatbed with a, a tarp and a, a UFO on them. You know, for lack just to keep the conversation short, a UFO on the back of it. So, so okay, so that's it one slide. What, what, what's the other slide of the show? And I don't, I don't remember exactly what the other one was because, like I said, I got to the point where I, I was kind of like, I started asking questions, and that's kind of where I kind of lost. Yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. Lot so, of- so, and this is for the audience. Like, somebody who's watching right now is like, okay, so what? Mufon showed up at this event. Like, okay, they probably show up at a bunch of other events, looking, investigating alleged incidents and stuff like that. Like, what? Why are we talking about this? Why? Why is? Why is it special? So. You said you you have twenty years of government service. Well, actually, more than far more than twenty years 40. of government service. I have forty years of government service. Yes, uh, right. 20, 20 years in the U.S. Army. Army, and then and then I'm not going to allude to what you're doing now, but you're not doing secret stuff now. You're doing kind of a government public service, service. Job. Public, public service job. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so you're not you're not in any like secret you know squirrel program doing anything like that. <laughs> no. But <laughs> when you were in the nothing. but you were in the army, you would have held a secret SCI clearance, right? Yes, yes, very um, much so. Okay, so you had to fill out an SF eighty six, go through all that stuff, and the government trusted you. And you were nineteen kilo, which for those who are uninitiated, you were a uh, tank or an armored vehicle crewman. You spent most of your time on M one tanks or the equivalent at the National Training Center. It would have been the old broken down Sheridans, but yeah, okay. Did, uh, so so, so you had a position of trust as a sergeant in the U.S. military. You had people who reported to you, et cetera. In other words, you are a, a trained reporter. Yes. yes. Okay. So, so everything seems, you know, it's a little fishy that the internet went down. All right. That, that could be coincidental, but it's still down during the course of this meeting. 
Yes, because right? we can't in pull that... anything up on our phones. Yes. Okay, um, and and you, you know, they're they're presenting this thing, this fishing expedition, and you you raise your hand and you ask a question. What question do you ask? Well, the first question I asked, you know, size, activity, location, time, right? Where? Where, where did this that, happen? That's, a, that's what we would call a salute report, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we, we uh, when I was doing- Size, uh, activity, location, uniform, time. Yes. What was E? Equipment. Equipment, yeah. yes. Well, okay. we had broken it down a little bit shorter to salt. Size, activity, location, time for, for bullet reports. But yes, I asked, where did this happen? And uh, that's when the fun began. <laughs> so- Describe describe the reaction on her face. What like, what was her facial expression? How did did it change? Did it? Not not really. She she was very pleasant through the whole thing. Uh, but when I asked, she said, with a with a small smile on her face, I can't tell you that. Not and it wasn't. We don't, I don't know. know. It wasn't. Not, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Not I don't know. Not we're trying to figure that out. It's literally I cannot tell you that. Yes. Which which then, implies that she knows exactly where it is, yes. But she can't tell. Okay, so why? So what's your next question? Well, that that was my second question. Was why? And, and I, I I can't because you know my inner conspiracy theorist is already racing because now she sounds like she works for the government. And mm-hmm. automatically, it's like you can't tell me. It's, it's why can't you not tell me? Now, 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 to interject, this is this is the point at which a perfectly reasonable nonprofit organization might be able to disentangle itself from this. You know, so in other words, a legitimate answer that you would expect from somebody who had nothing to hide would be something to the effect of we have an idea of what the location is, but, but we don't want people tracking through there and you know, disturbing it before we have a chance to fully investigate, right? That, that would be a little bit more of a re like an answer you would expect if somebody wasn't, had nothing to hide, but what was well, the answer that you got? And well, she smiled and said, well, she says, I'm just really not allowed to tell you that. And, and for me, not allowed to tell you that. Yes. She, she can't, I, I can't tell you that. So the thing is, like you were saying is being, who we are, we would have done our due diligence before we even went to the meeting. We would have went to the location. So once you've been there, it should be okay to send people to that, what is presumed to be the location. We weren't even given that opportunity because, you know, me, I would have driven out there and been like, you know, start looking, you know, because I've lived in the desert, you know, about 11 years of my lifetime. And so, you know, what's natural and what's not natural to an extent. Do you think there's a there's a chance they already knew where the site was and whether they already knew something was out there? They already knew that there was a debris field and they had been monitoring the debris field and something had been disturbed in the debris field. And they were trying to see if somebody, you know, had, had been there. I, I mean, that that's potential, potentially a, a good avenue of approach, but. Again, they would have done their due diligence in the first place, and there wouldn't have been anything left out there for anybody to recover, whether it's MUFON or MUFON, joint MUFON government kind of operation or whatever. Somebody would have been there and, and checked that debris field. I mean, you go to Roswell, what are you going to find in Roswell? Not a lot of anything, you know, because it's it's been picked over pretty well. And uh, I'm sure they would have been. Although rigorous. there is some place, there is some place in New Mexico where 
there's there's like a massive debris field that they just dumped a bunch of junk and coke cans and stuff like that there so that (laughs) nobody would nobody would bother to go but apparently there is still like a place where there's a bit of a debris field for a previous i don't know if it was the aztec crash or or something else or so or so i've heard and where i've heard it was gary nolan i think jack belay went there at some point and went to this debris field but there's a lot of trash there so it's Almost like it's hidden in plain sight. But anyway, sorry to. Uh, well, so you well, the, asked the is, second question. Right yeah. The other thing is, you can't really use a metal detector in the desert because of the, the, the static electricity that builds up in, in the sand itself. You know, and you've been out there often enough. You, know, you shock yourself a lot of times just, you know, mm-hmm. walking through the sand and stuff out there. It does make using metal detectors very, very difficult. So, uh, visual, you know, going out there and visually looking, at, you know, manually, you know, moving aside dirt and, and debris and, or foliage and stuff like that, it would be the way to do that. So, but again, not knowing where the crash site was, I mean, that's the number one thing. I mean, where, where, you know, you tell us where you'll get so many people out there looking, we'll help you. We'll help you find it. You know, but not being able to tell us, you can't tell me is, is not uh, in, invoking a whole lot of trust in my, my uh, military mind. So. So did you ask any questions after that? Well, we asked, they, they did not know who the person was who they believed to take, have taken the object. And so I reiterated that question because, you know, if you could at least get a last name or two, again, people in that area, you know, stay there for a really long time where they leave. But there would probably be some family, you know, that you could probably go and interview. But again, due diligence would have taken them down that road already. I, I think that they were just casting a wide net to try and catch whatever loose ends they, they can catch that they hadn't already uh, avenues that they haven't already gone down. So that would be the closest, the closest supposition I could make on that. And did they say why now? I believe somebody asked that question and they, they said that something to the effect they had reason to believe that somebody has, has brought this item back, back forth. But I, I mean, nobody, news like that would have spread I would have heard that news rather quickly, given where I was at, what I was doing. Unless you were monitoring someone's communications. Right. So in which case uh, you would know, you would have plenty of. Yes. (laughs) So it was, it was the whole thing was just really just, you know, suspect to me. It's like. So when they said that, when they had reason to believe it was resurfaced, did anybody follow up? Like, how do you know? I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. I, cause like I said, it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of laughter because, you know, this, you know, they, they were keeping it light and loose, which is, you know, a technique. Well, she, she, well, yes, she, she was, she was keeping Not it light they. and loose, but everybody, you know, was getting a, a little bit, there was a little bit of humor to it. But uh, again, like I said, once, once I heard, you know, I can't, you know, we can't say it's like, you know, then if you can't say, I'm not saying another thing. Then you know? did they give you any sense of where the crash, like near Tonopah, uh, crash near Tonopah, it or the it, the truck ended up somewhere near Tonopah. The truck it was allegedly on somebody's private property, and uh, as you know, uh, most of the land, like we've discussed, is in uh, government owned. In Nevada, is government owned, so that's that's limit. I mean, that kind of limits it right there. You know. Yeah. But uh, not knowing what property, you know, that belongs to, you know, and, and people there are generally, you know, pretty, pretty civil, you know, 
if you say, hey, look, I'm looking for UFO stuff, you know, can I look on your property? You know, they'd laugh and probably say, go right ahead, you know. There's no there's no reason to expect uh, that people would you know forbid you from looking for it. In in heavens, you know, you'd be out there walking around with all the hills, draws, valleys. You know, you're, you're not unless you live on top of a hill overwatching your whole property. Nobody's going to be able to see what you're out there doing anyway. So the opportunity to go searching was was truly there. If we'd have been given some type of landmark to go with, you know, and then look at logistics, you know, logic and things of that nature so very very strange to me sean <laughs> was there anybody else in the audience that was seemed suspicious so the one thing i can't i can't reconcile is why there would only be one person there uh yeah it, so again, those people, i mean you know from the military people always travel in pairs Right. You always have a that, that's true. Have, that's true. Right. Uh, I, I don't remember if there was somebody there because, again, it's just one of those things where, you know, until until we we linked up a few years ago, we started talking, you know, it's just really one of those things. And then we were talking and it's kind of brought it back like, well, hey, when I was in Tonopah, this happened. It's like, you know, your, your light bulb went off. And I was like, but I really didn't pay that much attention to it. It just it was very suspect at the time. But I was just like, eh, you know, it is. It's just somebody fishing for something for the government at this point. And and I just put it in the back of my mind and, and moved. Of course, I've I've moved several times since I was in Tonopah, so it's not uh, been uh, at the forefront of my mind until until we uh, started talking about things like this. So yeah, I mean, to be honest, if the government were looking for something like this, right, they absolutely would not come out and say, "Hey, we're from the FBI," or "Hey, we're from the FAA," or "Hey, we're from the." NTSB, right? Or, and we're looking for or, a downed UFO. Yeah, right? National Security um, Agency, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, or the like the DIA, where, yeah. or the CIA, like those, the DIA and CIA specifically are supposed to be operating overseas. They're not supposed to be operating on US soil, right? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, I mean, even they would say, like, if, if, but if you, if you believe that the government takes the UAP, situation more seriously than they let on publicly the way that you would do it is you would not say hey i'm here from the government and i'm here to find a ufo you would say hey i'm here with a uh, new fork or mufon new fork is the other kind of organization that investigates Mm -hmm. this stuff as a cover and you would you know in order to get the information that, that, that you wanted without exposing the government's interest in in such a topic right. again the, the place the place where i have the most trouble is why would they only have one why would they only send one person now when did the when did the internet come back on the internet came back on the next morning on sunday morning which you know thankfully we had tv and we weren't dependent on streaming services to watch anything but all right so if yeah. you were the government and you had reason to believe that somebody the government that, that and you had reason to believe that somebody had changed hands with this thing or had resurfaced it you would want enough time such that the person you're looking for doesn't know you're coming and the only way to do that would be to shut off the internet which what that tells me is they found whoever they were looking for pretty quickly well i would i would think i mean and tonopah is is isolated there's there's basically one road that cuts through the middle of town and then perhaps well 
and then it intersects with uh, Highway 6. So there's there's only three ways to get there. And the, the fourth way is over over a dirt road going to Silver Peak, over to the uh, lithium mines, which would not be traveled, you know, by anybody, not with a four-wheel drive vehicle. So did, did you notice any effort to shut down the like heavy construction on the roadways, anything like that during that period? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Um, that, that's that's that time of year, the tourist traffic through there is, is pretty lean. You know, you'll see more of that once the weather starts to break in the, in the springtime and such. But like I said, it's up there at 6,000 6, feet elevation. So it's not a place where snowbirds will be residing. You know, folks who come down from the north to, to get away from the weather, they tend to go down towards Arizona and New Mexico. So the, the core of people there were the people who belonged there. There was not an influx of uh, tourists and stuff to, you know, to overpopulate the area or take up, you know, too much, too much of the traffic. You would have, you would have noticed uh, anything out of place. So if someone knew something about this incident, who did, who would they have to contact? Like, did they provide, leave contact information? They, they probably did. I don't think I, I got a business card or anything like that. I mean, I figure, well, I could if I needed to contact MUFON, I could catch them on the internet. <laughs> and once it came up, so. But uh, yeah, no. If she had cards, I didn't. I don't believe we took one because I had just kind of reached the point where I was like, "This is BS," and this woman's not going to give me any tangible information. Because yeah, you're pissed with, off because they you felt like they were lying to you. You thought they were the government. So if you're going to lie, like if you want me to help you, just say you're from the government, and you know I'm happy to provide any and all information you need. But if you come in with a cover and you're lying to me, then, and it's, and it's, it's transparent that you're lying to me, go pound sand. Right. The the thing about being out there for me was I would just on a Saturday, I would just get in the truck and take, take my wife and we would just go and we'd go someplace. We'd go down to, of course, the air airfield is where Chuck Yeager learned how to fly. And so there's all kinds. So there's all kinds of neat little things to go see and roads, dirt roads to travel down. So for me to go out on a Saturday, or Saturday and a Sunday, in search of something like this, because what else is there to do in Tonopah? I mean, aside from watch TV and you know, there's very very little sports going on there. There's just not a whole lot of anything going on there. If you want to, if you want to drink, you can you know, a lot of drinking you can get done. But as far as so you find your own fun there. And uh, to me, this. This was really a kick in the teeth because of like, I would go look for this thing, you know, I do a lot of uh, photography, you know, and even if I couldn't recover something, I could at least take a picture, you know, and accurately, you know, describe on a map, you know, I could pull out a military map, I could get you at least within eight digit grid of where, wherever we were at to, you know, figure out, you know, hey, well, this is where it's we're at. Like, And it's not like any of this information is secret, right? You, for 88 bucks, you can join MUFON. And gain access to their their databases, right? right? So, one way to check this is to see if there's any crashes in that area, you know, or alleged incidents in that in that area in the late 30s. Is it late 30s or is it early 40s? I would I would say it's probably pre World War II. I, I would say it's pre World War II, but also in in that area. You know, as as you know, as you know, the, the Hawthorne Army Depot is, is to the north. The mines in Gabs, I believe, they mine magnesium, which is needed for explosives. 
there's some form of mineral, you know, so, so there's a lot of military stuff, you know, so if you think about how, you know, UFOs center around military style, you know, facilities and stuff like that, of course, it's pre-nuclear war. Well, as far as you know, Americans are concerned, we don't know what that's all about. The, uh, that has a very large military influence through that whole area. So, you know, given, you know, UFO sightings around military installations, I can understand why they're there. I mean, if I was an invading force, I'd want to know what the, the enemy's military was doing and what their capabilities were. But the area was so isolated back then. I mean, it's isolated now, but even back in the 30s, it would have been even more isolated. Those roads uh, probably were dirt coming out of Las Vegas and heading north and whatnot. So, yeah, it's the, the whole thing is just, you know, like I said, we, we left out of there with the sense of, you know, these guys are just here. They were, they're actually a, a sub, sub office this of the woman, government. This, this woman. Well, the, well, I, I'm speaking of them because MUFON is an organization. So I'm referring to the organization. But yeah, so this lady, this lady's here and she's just here on a fishing expedition. And, and from the sounds of it, she's actually just a, a mouth and earpiece for the government, you know, because, you know, the government's the one that tells you, well, we can't tell you that. It's the government that keeps secrets, you know, unless it's, you know, maybe some, you know, double top secret, you know, arm of a corporation or something looking for, you know, you know, technology, you know. But, yeah, it could have been a corporate. You're right. It could have been a corporation on a fishing expedition. Uh, but but you know that that's getting really sci-fi at that point. But to me, to oh, me, it's, or, or it, it could be it's, a corporation working, you know, that has a non-disclosure, an interest, or, a, uh, or yeah, that, that, that is that is a, a subcontracted by U.S. government to work yeah. on this, right? So so, but yeah, it's it's it, the whole thing is just it's just left just left a bad taste, and I think that's probably why it's just you know after after the fact is just kind of like eh, bump it, you know, clowns, you know. Expletive, expletive. <laughs> so, but and so it just really, you know, it was again, like I said, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. You know, we thought it was weird losing the internet. You know, we we joked about it. I've actually uh, I've made comment about that in, in a stand up thing I was doing one day, talking about you know just weird stuff happening. But yeah, it's it just it's it sucked. It, when I left out of there, it just felt like it sucked. It just you know we wasted an hour and a half, two hours of our time, you know, to not get anything from this. Yeah, it had a couple laughs. Yeah, Free donuts. Yeah, it's like a one-sided, one-sided conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that, that was pretty much the gist of it. And, and then I never bothered to go out looking for UFOs. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but I would gladly have been out there, you know, hoofing around the desert looking for, for something, you know. So, yeah, it, it just was really a big turnoff at that point. Was there, was there anybody that weekend or not that weekend, but within – the week prior, the week after, who died? Like, if you looked at obituaries during that period. Oh wow! I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking like an intelligence guy, right? Where you, you know, if somebody who they suspected had it, died. I, I can't. I, I can't. The, the the nature of my job, I would have known if somebody had. Again, you know, where I was at and what I was doing, I I would have or should have known, but I don't. I don't recall. Especially if it was a prominent person, it, I definitely don't remember anybody prominent that, that had passed away. Any major sales of property during that period of time? No, like, no, no, no. I mean, at that time, they were building the big solar. The big solar complex was still being constructed back then, and of course, you have Round Mountain, which is an active gold mine. Uh, you have some small-scale silver mines in operation in the Goldfield Tonopah area. 
run by private private operators. So it, it would have been very if somebody prominent would have died, I, w- I definitely would have known that. And if there had been a big, large swath of land, you know, it was, did property change hands? Probably so. But anything on a large scale, I, I didn't hear about or I don't recall. So the key players in that community are still the key players. They've been there for, you know, upwards of 70, 80 years. And uh, a lot of that land is held within the families, much like rural Tennessee. The, the, the land... You go out a lot of these roads here, roads are named after the family that lives up that road in that hollow. So, and it's not uncommon. And it's, it's, that's pretty much the common, common theme there too. The, the land stays in the family. It may be divvied up a little bit, but in order for a large piece of land, they'd have to extricate a whole lot of people, I think, because as the decades have gone on, those families have grown and they, they haven't really left. So and they just subdivide the land that they currently it, own and, Exactly. You know, so they, they build Mima and me, Papa, you know, they get them a new house and, you know, somebody else put, brings in a trailer or builds a new house. They're more likely to build a, bring a trailer in, in some of the more remote areas, because it's just so hard to get any kind of construction done unless you do the construction yourself and then there's no oversight. So, so there, there could be a ton of garages out there we don't know about that uh, have some form of electricity rigged up to it. Nobody goes, nobody's going to bother to go out there and make sure it's the code or anything like that. So, I mean, you could probably do something like Google Earth and kind of peruse, but it's not going to give you enough detail to say, well, hey, there was a crash that year, unless, you know, a large scale ship had crashed. But, you know, that's obviously not going to fit on the back of someone's pickup. So, if it fits on the back of a pickup, how big are the people that were flying it, you know? Or are, are we looking for a piece of former military debris that somebody's lost track of that's now now kind of important? Yeah, doubtful if it was in the late 30s, early 40s, right? I don't think there's right. anything that... No, I, I don't think that they were flying that far north. I don't think uh, the northern aspects, I think uh, the Tonopah aspect of the flight with Chuck Yeager and those guys learning how to fly, that's where World War II pilots learned how to fly. And I don't think that they were using all their test ranges would have been north up in the Walker Walker Lake, Hawthorne Army Depot area, because that's where they were producing the munitions and that's where they were testing them. So there was not a whole lot of testing from what I could gather in that area. It wasn't until they started using a little further south of Area 52 in the Nevada test range where they were detonating nuclear bombs post World War II. So, I mean, there's there's a couple of great pictures of uh, people at uh, casinos watching the mushroom clouds north <laughs> north of Las Vegas. Just like, do they really re- understand what that is that's going on up there? Like, there's no way I'd be close to that. But you know, it's yeah, America. Not back then. Not back then. No. I had no idea. No, they they had no idea. So as far as getting out there and, and rooting around, for my money, I don't think it would have been in close close to Tonopah. It would have been in somebody's property a little bit further removed, out beyond uh, the airfield, perhaps, probably more to the north as opposed to the south, because the south south of Tonopah would be your traffic going to Goldfield. And in that time, the, the mines were winding down. Of course, you know, Tonop- once upon a time, Tonopah was more, you know, if not the largest, one of the largest communities in the state of Nevada because of the mining operations. So anything going south would have been where the traffic was. So the lesser trafficked areas to the north and to the west or to the east would have been 
more of more of your areas and everything to the west of Tonopah is to get out of town. Once you get out of town, it's all dirt roads. There's nothing paved going west out of uh, Tonopah. Yeah, I so, wonder what triggered it, though. It sounded like there's an intercepted communication or something like that. That It would have it would have had to have been an intercepted communication or even somebody contacted MUFON and said, hey, well, you know, I, when I was a when I was a young kid, my grandpa told me about this X, you know, you know, so now it's now it's rumor verification or or they have hard, hard evidence or they have, they have both. Right. So but again, it, it seemed more of a fishing expedition as opposed to uh, to an actual legitimate. I think they had the information that they were looking for. And they were just looking for anything they could get to corroborate or eliminate. Triangulate. Yeah. Right. Triangulate where the, you know where this thing may may or may not be or or again if there's any any spare bits of this thing out there uh, get their hands on that and get that removed from the public access you know and, and put that in wherever it is that they put those things so and that was that's pretty much that was pretty much the gist of it you know fishing you know what can you tell us we're not going to tell you anything you know we suspect something happened you know what do you know so and that, yeah, and I don't again, understand it, why why they use that technique and why like how that would possibly even work, right? I, I don't know, you know. And of course, hopefully, hopefully this generates a conversation and somebody from Mupon contacts me and says, "Well, hey, Dave, this is actually what we were doing back then." And if they do that, I'll let you know. But right now, I'm just kind of like, "Wow, this is." Yeah, yeah. Know, Spe- not- speaking of which, if if you know, you know anything about any alleged crashes or crash retrievals or anything like that in you know, in the Tonopah, Nevada area, please put something in the comments below. Or if you're from MUFON and you know more about this particular incident, or if you were the person who showed up there, if you could also put, you know, information in the comments below. It's just the, the way it was handled was for people who have any time in military service seemed very government-like as opposed to nonprofit, like a nonprofit would, those folks would not be trained to answer something in that way. And even, even this person, I would say was not trained very well. So it was almost like a subcontractor for a government entity and they just weren't, you know, it just, it was suspect to me. It just, it just, it just made me, made me just, wow. You know, this sounds exactly how the government would operate. Yeah, like it's suspect. It's wow. And and then you know, of course, you know, you get your internet back, your life goes on, and you forget all about it. So <laughs> it's pretty much it's pretty much where it was. You know, it's just the internet going out was a source of humor. You know, while you know, because you know, when you're when you're joking about things and choking about conspiracy theories yeah like haha what a coincidence that the yeah, internet yes. went out and then you think about well, why would the why would it be convenient for the internet to go out so whoever they're looking for doesn't know they're coming for them yes because right? they yes. showed up to that room right it's like oh yeah my uncle joe has it okay please uh stay around stick around <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait for us to leave the, 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 they're identifying you so when you leave the building they can follow you, you know, they have somebody stationed out in the parking lot to follow you the library there they have kept great records as far as the community and such. And I just did not, while my background is in history, I just did not, you know, take the time to sit there and try to swim through uh, a metric butt ton of uh, information and films and books and, you know, stuff of that nature to try and uh, 
figure this out. I figured these folks have already done that. You know, Do you think there was historically there was a newspaper newspaper article at the time about this? Potentially, potentially. And I, you know, so see now when we finish this, you know, now I'm going to be starting my investigation anew. Thank you, Sean, because I don't have enough going on. Yeah, this is what this is why officers <laughs> are a pain in the ass because they can think of all these great ideas, and then NCOs have to go and like answer all these great ideas. You know, boom, great idea, fairy. Boom, here's a great idea, right? And you have to, you know, right. the hard work is tracking all this stuff down. I can come up with these ideas all day. That's easy, right? <laughs> but it's actually finding the information that's hard. Yes. I mean, anybody who's done any type of historical research, you know, yeah, of course, your background, you know, doing financial, it's, it's, it's data. There's the, the data is just like, wow. In recent times, you know, things have gotten much easier. But, you know, when you're sitting there looking at, at a wall of books, of, of catalogs, you know, and you don't know where to start, you know, you're going to try and you know, narrow. It's going to be a shotgun blast. and You're going to try and refine your, your shot down into a, a more of a refined, you know, narrow area narrow scope to uh, kind of dig into it so it's worth a trip back to tonopah at this point but it's not going to happen anytime soon i don't believe it does warrant further investigation so and, and i never did uh, i never did join MUFON. and while i do uh, enjoy the uh, the scientific approach and uh, the scientific ramifications of alien life out there it's just not something uh, i've been pursuing well, again, it's, a, it's a ufo who knows if it's if there's any life in it it could be a probe it could be interdimensional it could be a highly advanced nazi experiment (laughs) with anti-gravity right look i'm just i don't know what it is it's a ufo the deutsche Deutsche glocken the the bell uh, yeah the german bell the glocken the glocken the glocken that's like that's how it's pronounced yeah again i I left i left the meeting with a bad taste in my mouth because i was like what the heck was that all about you know so it's like you know, talking about asking questions. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, it's even it's it's just kind of pisses you off a little bit more now that I'm thinking about it more. It's like, damn, you know, but worthy, worthy of more in- investigation. And I will I will be reaching out to my contacts back in, in Tonopah to see, you know, because now it's kind of like but they've probably cleaned up by this point, you know, we're we're already five years removed from 2017. You know, going into six years removed, if there's been anything discovered, I'm sure they, they've already gotten their mitts on it and have rolled out with whatever was available. Oh, yeah, you so. could, I mean, you could reach out to your contacts and just ask for her information and then just do a Google search yeah. to see if the person, person actually exists. Yeah. Right. Well, check the MUFON site to see if they're actually with the organization or have ever been with the organization. So fair enough. So I have to report back to you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd have you back on if you have any of that information. Well, like, anybody anybody die, you know, in that period? Did anybody, were there any major property sales during that period? Yeah. You know, probably probably three months before, three months after. You know, deaths, again, obituaries, three months before, three months after. What else? You know, the name of the person, if there was anybody else with her. New, then, new business. Know, new businesses. Large, large scale new business, you know, not that that's a, a hotbed of uh, new business, <laughs> new business out there in the middle of nowhere. But or, or maybe even after, after they, they came, right? Because yeah. let's say somebody had it and the government said, why don't we just give you, we'll give you $10 million and you just walk up. away from this property. Yeah. Close up shop and head on out. Potentially. But I, I, I think, I think more of that would have spread pretty quickly too. 
There was. Uh, well, I there, mean, there, wasn't there wasn't there a family that bought the mitzpah? A, uh, a family bought the hotel and is restoring the hotel in Goldfield. Uh, it has but there the, was a family that bought the mitz, Mitzpah too, which is the hotel in the Mitzpah. The, uh, the family that bought the Mitzpah, I, I don't think that they're, I think they bought the Mitzpah and then next to it, there's a casino. I think all that is is becoming part and parcel of the same. The people who own the casino bought the, the hotel and making it part of a larger complex. Yeah, they're like so, a wine. They're like a wine family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're over in uh, over in uh, Northern California. So, but man, that's wow. It's it's been a minute since I've been thinking about the, all, all the stuff that happened there. But I do know that there's a another family who's come in and purchased the hotel in in Goldfield, and they're renovating that. And that's an expensive proposition to, to try and bring it back to its into that time period uh, with the mosaic floors and the woodwork and, and just the general craftsmanship of what went into those places. Cause you know, you, everything's so sterile when you go into a modern hotel casino or even a modern hotel, it's, you know, but the, the craftsman doors and, and, and everything, the, the woodwork, uh, the intricate lattice work and stuff that they do. So, so if there's, if there's a lot of anything like that, that's in the middle of town, I don't think anything like that would, would, have a direct reflection on that but yeah there's there is some move to re- renovate the the communities but uh they're so far removed from anything there's you know you've been there it's wow yeah you know yeah. the closest hospital is 90 miles away that's just like that's that's a hard community to live in if something goes sideways it goes sideways fast so and then it, that's that's pretty much uh, where it's at right now but i will be doing some investigating now thanks y'all I didn't have enough on my plate, so I don't yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's, that's why you got to bring in a, an old former officer in here. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. As usual, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you're the one that's got to work for a living, not me. <laughs> hey, all right, well, my friend. Always good to see you. Good to talk to you too, Sean. Thank you. And thanks for the thanks for the story. This is uh, highly suspicious at a minimum. <laughs> so yes, it is. All right, I'll talk to you soon, you got- my friend. Take care of yourself, sir. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.